Hey, Mickey. <laughs> I wonder, speaking of Tim, the audio man, just like giving us such a hard time about our microphone right. deficiencies. Yes. <laughs> do you think it bothers him that I scream, hey, D? <laughs> it's the first, the first noise of every podcast we record. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm glad like he just likes me a little bit. So maybe he doesn't mind. God. Can you imagine if he didn't? Oh my God. We'd, we'd be editing our own shit and it would be a disaster. We'd still be we'd still be editing episode one of season one. Exactly. Like somebody come fix this. Thank goodness. Anyone? And on oh that note, we just started off with several minutes of a bunch of shit that he can edit, edit out. out. Feel free to edit that out, Tim. Thank you so much. We love you. Oh Lord. Um, hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to season two, Grief After Dark. Where are we at in our dark matter and whatnot? Yeah, all the whatnots. All the whatnots. And we need to do our toasts. Oh, if you insist. <sighs> I do. Cheers, bro. Cheers, bro. If only you knew what we look like right now. <laughs> like a <sighs> professional drinker, probably. I feel like we need that kind of continuity, though, because it's just how we are. In some in some ways, we can have those normal things that happen for us. Uh, what are we without them? Hey, but well, it's like what we were talking about earlier. Our personal problems. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one man's problem is another man's um, hey. delicious glass of wine. Hey. <laughs> yes. So we are gathered here today. Oh, kind of do a couple of things, like move into our next theme. Which is? It is moving through grief. And I think like being a retired everything at this point, <laughs> a movement educator. So I used to be a dancer and I used to teach dance and all this stuff. And, and I was using dance as a means of moving through my grief at the time, which I didn't really call it that. But ultimately, that's kind of what saved me a lot of the times was doing some sort of movement and it didn't have to be like this orchestrated regimen, nor did it have to be like non-orchestrated. So it was, you know, taking dance classes and doing performances and doing all kinds of things. So I'm really excited for our next guests. Oh, me too. I'm excited for all of our next guests. I'm excited about this whole theme. And uh, I think it was yesterday you and I were talking about, I've been just really, I've been feeling the paradox of grief. Yeah. Um, of very recent. And, you know, grief, it just, it has to be all of the things all at the same time. It's really overwhelming. It's, um, you know, it feels really lonely, but you can't really get through it without community, even though you don't really want to be around anybody else, but it kind of feels better if you are. I mean, it's, there's deep sadness, there's deep gratitude. It's, and it's exhausting. And <laughs> Listen, exhausting. grief is fucking exhausting. It and is exhausting. In that exhaustion, I think a go-to for me is stillness. But I gotta tell you, like, a lot of times what I need to do is move. Yeah. I need to move my mind. I need mm -hmm. to move my body. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, I live in a in a place 
where there's lots of places to get out and walk that's away from other people. And, uh, you know, I utilize that a lot. But we've got some people lined up that use very different methods of movement. And Jamie, actually, this, you know, the the interview today, you know, I thought we were going to be talking about what is her practice of yoga? Please say it because she complimented you on your pronunciation. Tadabada yoga. Beautiful. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought we were going to sit down and talk about Tadabada yoga and, and the movement of the mm-hmm. body. And we spent the whole time talking about this vegetation, yeah, which is this form of sort of meditation that she's created that came mm-hmm. to her through her practice of being a yoga instructor. Yes. Um, I also wanted to announce their podcast because the podcast is recordings of her and her co-conspirator, as she refers to her, Hana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in their practice of vegetation, their podcast is called... It's just called Vegetation, Meditation and Community, actually. It's about authenticity and the discovery of self. I felt like I was friends with this girl about 30 seconds into meeting her. Such an interesting conversation. She's onto some cool stuff and she's bringing what she's learned to the grief community so beautifully with like such an incredible delivery. Mm -hmm. I'm just such a fan. Right. We met through a mom group, an online mom group, actually. And I have to say that my, our online mom group is the best (laughs) mom group ever. And we have really kind of come to know each other in various capacities over the years and have been supporting each other so beautifully. And when she brought this into our community, I was like, well, okay, let's check it. Let's check this out and see what is really going on. And we originally touched base about something else and we ended up doing a yoga practice together. And like I was, you know, saying it's, it's just an incredible experience to have that one-on-one, even though it's not in person. It's like you have to tap in all the way in and not rely on the, in-person dynamic Mm -hmm. and so I think that this is one of the coolest things that's happening right now in our online communities is that we're able to really just put our shit out there and be like hey here use this practice we can we can practice together we have access to one another so that has been a lifesaver for me being able to tap into stuff like this with you know people that I trust Mm -hmm. well it was a pleasure (laughs) pleasure just an absolute pleasure talking to her and meeting her and uh i always put links to these people these fine folks in the show notes there's links on our website yes. so all of these interviews if we're talking with a professional who's got you know that has the means and you want to contact them you can absolutely find them through show notes and our site Um, check them out. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy our conversation with Jamie Astorian, Tharavara Yoga. This podcast addresses death, difficult emotional content, and contains profanity. Listen with... Your own motherfucking discretion. (laughs) (laughs) Get your kids. 
This is Grief After Dark. Hello, Jamie. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. I'm so thrilled to be here. Like, first of all, to be in this space with y'all's energies, these souls, these spirits. I'm already just feeling it. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like D and I, we are in love with each other. (laughs) Um, But I'm so happy to meet you too, Mickey, and bring you into my energy circle. Same. I don't know very much about your practice at all. So I am ready to hear all of the things. Right. So just tell us a bit about yourself and your practice. Tell us everything. Oh my gosh. Well, I am a South Asian Indian child of immigrants who immigrated to the United States. Um, So I was born here and I'm a person who has never really felt like they belong anywhere. You're in such good company. Yeah, it's amazing like how many people are in this situation or you know have these intersections, I'll say, but think that nobody else does. Right. You know, um, because it's probably not something that comes up in conversation, you know. Right. But um, but yeah, I'm as my co-conspirator likes to say, I'm not from here or there, you know. And so I've always been an outsider. And uh, growing up in the United States as, you know, a person whose whole family and life up to age, you know, 14, 15 has revolved around Indian traditions uh, that are not based in what's thought of as mainstream Indian stuff in the United States, right? We're not Hindu. We're not Muslim. Um, my family is from a very old line of Catholicism. Um, so I already, I also missed out on a lot of the Indian parts of my culture in a way growing up here. And um, I spent most of my life thinking that yoga is not for me because the spaces that were labeled yoga spaces here in the States felt really uncomfortable to me. It wasn't a practice that I ever wanted to come back to. And I sort of tried to force myself to being like, um, but you're Indian, so maybe you should just do that. You know, <laughs> it wasn't really working. And um, I have a background in, you know, a couple of things that are yoga and just the way that I'm ra- I was raised and the way that my family functions has a lot of, you know, yogic underpinning to it. But I didn't realize this. Until in pandemic times, I decided out of nowhere to take a yoga teacher training. So I took one of those massive online yoga teacher trainings where I was one of maybe five out of, you know, 600 people in the class that was South Asian and one out of maybe 20, 30 people who was people of color. And in the course of that training, while everybody's having all these epiphanies of like, oh my gosh, like this is so new and cool and stuff like that. I was like, we've been doing this shit. Like, <laughs> this is all, this is just life. <laughs> this is what I, how much money people pay for this. Um, yeah. And I was also like, these teachings are universal. First of all, right? 
But when it comes through the lineage, the message is delivered with more clarity. That was like an observation that I was making as I was in the program, as I started to, I don't like to use the word teach. I I prefer using the word share practice. So yeah, I started venturing out on my own. I started with asana class. Asana is um, the Sanskrit word for, it's actually the word for seats, like like when you sit, a seat. Asana is seat and asana is the plural, seats. And each of the poses or the shapes that we make with our body in yoga are their asana. And so I started off with asana class, which is what most people in the States are familiar with. You know, we go into class, we take these shapes, we try to look like the teacher, we try to get connected to whatever we're walking in with as what we're supposed to be connected to. And as I started doing this, I started to notice that um, I was feeling almost like the information was coming to me, like it was being channeled. Where are we going to do go next? Or even before, you know, starting practice, I'd sort of like go through like, mm, what do we think we want to do today? And I'd have a few things in my mind. And then when we start our practice, I always ask folks like, what's going on with you and your spheres, your physical, mental, emotional, blah, blah. And every time when people spoke, their what they were thinking about and sort of wanting to rebalance for themselves connected right up to the asana that I was planning on doing in class that day, you know, and then I could like sort of add in things depending on what they said. Um, So I was starting to recognize this channel of information. And then at some point, you know, a friend of mine was my co-conspirator on the podcast, actually, she was kind of looking for a different kind of meditation. And I wasn't considering myself a meditation practitioner. Um, but I had this idea that was kind of rattling around for a structure that I thought would be more accessible for folks who are either wanting to switch it up, like in her case. But firstly, I was thinking about it for folks who shy away from the word meditation and who have some connotations of it, some ideas of it that are kind of stressful or even traumatic to approach. Um, Because I've also experienced that myself. And I've also been, you know, in community with folks who are experiencing that at a time when they're sort of being pressured to go into a meditative space. Right. So that's where vegetation was born. Um, It came out of, you know, (laughs) the yoga teacher training was mostly my my license, you know, for me, my sort of metaphysical license to just start sharing what's already there. And, uh, and yeah, so once the channel opened and we started actually practicing vegetation, that was when I started to reconnect with my ancestors, my ancestors, which we call them ancestors. When my, when my first baby was two years old, she said grandcestors for ancestors. And I was like, yes, that's, it's brilliant. that's the word. That's what it is from now on. Right. 
because oh you know oh. it was like a conflation of ancestors and grandparents and it's right. like yeah like they're still right here with us right. you know yep. when your grandparents go on to that next realm we don't stop calling them grandparents you know so yeah in vegetation that's when I started realizing like oh these motherfuckers are right here with me right. like right now some of the stuff that has happened between Hannah and I in our practice has been inexplicable, you know, and like there was, this is the one that I always think about. And depending on who you are, this is either like, whoa, or it's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) We could say that about most things. (laughs) (laughs) We could say that about most things that I do in general. (laughs) So um, in one of our, one of our vegetations, my grandmother, and, you know, I have two grandmothers, one of them who I was very close to in this lifetime, and one of them who lived in India. And so we didn't have as much of that opportunity. The one who lived in India came to me in a vegetation with a message for Hana, for my co-conspirator. And I was like, I think I might be hearing that wrong. And then, you know, after we, after we come out of our sort of quiet part of vegetation, we process with each other what came, what showed up for us, you know, what do we think about whatever, however you want to say it. And she started talking about some stuff that was exactly what my grandmother came to tell her about. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but my grandmother said this for you. And she just started crying, you know? Yeah. Because it was like, not only, it wasn't just, I mean, we both were, I say she, but not only was it totally for her, it was also this moment where like, our ancestors are everybody's ancestors. Mm. You know what I mean? Like all the ancestors are in here in, in our vegetations at 530 in the morning. I have chills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was just like so many, so many revelations through this practice. And the thing that was just yelling in my ears, yelling in my ears all the time is this shit is free. Listen, This is free 99. Nobody has to pay any money for this. Mm-hmm. You can do this if you find the way that resonates for you. Yeah, yes. I am a huge advocate for people finding things that work for them. And so it doesn't necessarily have to follow a structure. It doesn't have to follow mainstream, whatever's going on in order for it to be valid. And that, I think when you started talking about it in our mom group, I was like that, I think that's what I want. I've been to yoga classes before and, and like doing the contortion and all of this other fancy stuff, but it didn't feel like home and it didn't feel like I was getting what I should have been getting out of it and so with you that first practice that I did with you and we spent like three hours or four hours together that was the most beautiful yoga practice I've ever had in my life and I used to work at a gym so like I had free membership to do and I went, I would go to yoga and it because it was great and I was flexible and bendy and things and you know my little 20 year old Mm -hmm. body I could be a pretzel Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know? I feel that. Um, I can't do that shit now, but um. <laughs> yes, 
Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. And, you know, I was right there with you. Like I have hypermobility. So I go into a yoga class being like, this is going to be great. I'm going to look so good. Like, you know, what I mean? I'm about to be so stretchy. You're not going to even understand the shapes that I'm taking here. <laughs> and then, you know, come to find out that is so not the lineage. Like that's so not what this was about. Right. It's still Just come not to find out that there is no actual award for being the bendy <laughs> at the end of the class. Right, right, right. Uh, right. Which right. begs the question for me, like how has this yoga practice changed you and and how are you sharing that change? It has changed my whole damn life mm-hmm. um, in so many ways. You know, I'll start with the self, which is <laughs> Um, one of the one of the messages that came through for me is, you know, in all things, start with the self first. So whether that's, you know, nourishing the self or if you're trying to do something for somebody else, even how can you start with the self first? Oh, my gosh. We talk about this so much on this podcast. <laughs> we talk about that well, so much. Right. Like, why is this new? You know what I mean? It's just not taught. It's just not, it's not the mindset of our society. Yes. Yes. So start with the self, then start with, you know, how is this going to serve, rebalance the immediate community? Usually who you think of as your family, right? And then how is it going to affect your village? You know, the people who you think of as your community outside of the inner circle. And then the next step is the universe, including the earth, animals, plants, etc. So for me, it has changed things at every single level. And because this is like, I started like that, that YTT was in 2019, So we're talking, I mean, probably the most growth was in the last year when we started doing vegetation. And I had like this really built-in way to integrate everything that had been coming already. So first of all, self-trust has become a central tenet of the practice of my life, of my dharma, of what I've been put on this earth to share with people other than like my children, my, and my inner circle, you know? So that self-trust thing has been huge. It's been a game changer for me. Um, I would not have been able to start a business, start spending money on my business without like before making money, like that's a very new thing that I would never have trusted myself with before. Like right. I don't even trust myself to go to school. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Cause I'm afraid I'm gonna fuck it up because of all the wounding from that shit, you know? Right. So, but, so this is like a game changer. I have a money wound too, which is why I said, Oh my gosh. I'm spending money on shit. Like that's oh. wild for me. You know? <laughs> We you so, have to come back to talk about that um, <laughs> because, whoo. Yes. Yeah. That's like a whole other show. It's a whole other show. Well, yeah. I mean, hours. talk about like social stigmas. Self-trust is another one that like we're just. Absolutely. Just not yes. taught. Definitely yeah. as women. I mean, more now than like my mom's generation and more hers than the one before. But like. 
mm-hmm. you know, still we, we undercut ourselves. Other mm-hmm. people reinforce that for us. It shows up yes. a lot with money and how we manage mm-hmm. our own money and how we spend and, and yes. backing up self-trust financially mm-hmm. is a, that's mm-hmm. a big thing for the modern woman. Yes. <laughs> it really yes. is. It yes. really is. We're not even allowed to be like, I'm amazing. I did this shit. Everybody pat me on the back. I'm right. going to pat myself on the back in right. front of you. You got to steadily pat yourself on the motherfucking back. Right. In, in I'm so tired of patting though. myself on the back. Right. I need and other folk. I do it in private <laughs> or else you're going to be boastful right. and full of yourself. Right. Right. Do it in private. Exactly. Right. Do it in private. We're just patting our backs, right? Not any of those private places. Yeah. Why do I have to pat my own back in private? What is this? <laughs> listen. Listen. Why is someone trying know? to make it dirty? Right. <laughs> dirty. That's what I'm saying. Oh, everything in Grief After Dark is dirty. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, ooh, that's right. True. That's right. And this season, we are not like uh-uh we, we're going we're going hard we, y'all. we started off we started off with the hot tips about strippers tipping hey, strippers so that's true. that was pre-recording but it happened right oh we, we they can't talk about it. some strippers and i will be happy to you know relive that i'm saying we need a tutorial <laughs> season three folks Get oh ready. my god <laughs> hey season three is gonna be lit hey. that's right. <laughs> we're all going to vegas oh my gosh um, so, so bringing us back to like the community part of this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring it back. <laughs> bringing us back. You know, we have to back. be official sometimes. Yes. Yes. I, you know what? This is probably your dad and your grandpa getting in. Right. Year. Right. They're I'm like, get serious. They're like, get serious. Get your life together. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, are you mainly offering this for and like what do you want folks to draw really from this practice yes yeah so my um my soulmate client i'll say you know soulmate clients are people like me right i mean i want everybody to have this practice. I want everyone to have this possibility, but the people by and large who resonate the most with me and are likely to feel comfortable in the space are people like me. So people of color, women and femmes of color, moms of color. Um, but the, the sort of blanket term that we use when we're thinking about who this is for and how we're going to plan things is caregivers, people who identify as caregivers. Mm-hmm. And, and we draw a distinction between caretaking and caregiving. Mm. Right. And for us, you know, caretaking is when we are trying to take care of other people from an empty cup, you know, from a place of us needing nourishment not being balanced, not having what we need first, which goes back to starting with the self. Absolutely. And when we think of ourselves as caregiving, it is when we have done that work to fill the cup, but like the pleasurable work to fill the cup, Mm. you know, the nourishment when we have set our boundaries strongly enough 
or put ourselves in a situation where we are able to fill the cup, which is hard to begin with. Once we've done that, right, (laughs) then then we can care give, right? Because, you know, caretaking is going to happen. You know, caretaking happens all the time. Like, I'm a mom. (laughs) I have a hidden disability, too. So caretaking happens. I know, you know, it's going to happen. But my what I'm doing is constantly working towards filling the cup so I can care give. And when, you know, the way that I know that I'm caretaking instead of caregiving is whether I'm serving my ego in my care. It's one of the things that we talked about in the first episode of the podcast. I mean, really, this is a four-part series and this theme is throughout it. When we're caretaking, one of the most glaring ways that it has showed up in my life is that a lot of my life, I, I identified as a caretaker Um, but what I was trying to do was help people solve their problems. I'm making air quotes as I say this, solve their problems, right? right? (laughs) Realizing that we're on video right now. Um, and that is, you know, I'm not going to solve people's problems. We don't, we don't solve other people's problems, Right. right? right? But we can nourish somebody to the point where they can start to figure out what their balance looks and feels and smells and tastes and sounds like for themselves. Yes. So that they can recognize it when something rebalancing is coming towards them and they can do it themselves. But I spent a long time being like, let me be Yoda for people, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and that's just some bullshit, you know, that is caretaking because it was serving my ego. It made me feel that I had worth to be solving someone else's problems. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. And what I learned through, you know, through vegetation, but also like, I'm sure there's some Pinterest, you know, shit that says this exact thing. <laughs> right. And that is that everybody has worth period. It's not a thing that can be earned. Right. Right. It simply exists. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, keep it moving. Like, let's do, let's do the thing we're supposed to be doing, starting with the self, you mm-hmm. know, starting with nourishing the self and then nourish your team, mm-hmm. you know, family. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, then let's share, let's share our gifts mm-hmm. with the community and identify those gifts for ourselves. Right. And take the time from a nourished place to identify it rather than that place of the capitalism told me that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Let me go be an attorney now because that makes a lot of money, even right. though I really just want to like, I want to be a landscaper. Mm-hmm. I want to whatever. There's a million things. Right. Yeah. A million things you could want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Instead of the select few things. Right. Right. Exactly. So that's where, you know, my, that's where I started doing this Theravada yoga thing really intentionally with much more. I thought I was doing it intentionally, but it took me like about six months to be like, oh, this is what intention really feels like. Mm, Right. This is what it is, you know, and then the gates start to open, right? The responses from the community and from the universe and the ancestors all start coming much more clearly. And then, you know, okay, I can, I can meander this path with, with this whole community of people living and not on this earth as well. Right. Right. Know? 
And then through that, end up serving the universe through the ripples, through people. But it also through this process, I had I had started before even thinking of vegetation. I had started this huge gardening project in my in my backyard, in my front yard, my home, not knowing shit about gardening. <laughs> But whatever, the call was there. And I you heard vegetation and girl, you went for it. And that's what we're doing. (laughs) It was before, it was even before vegetation was conceived in my mind, right? Is that a term that is commonly used in your practice of yoga, or is this something that this is a fusion that you've come up with? This is, yeah, this is my own. I mean, the actual practice, right? Like the steps in the practice, right? Or steps, whatever. It might exist somewhere. I have never seen it anywhere else. I've never experienced it. If somebody else is doing it, that's awesome. Like high fives to them. Like, let's be friends because that's weird that we are. Is it weird though? (laughs) I know, right. Big magic. It's not weird. Not weird. I know. Because I know know, these things will find a way to manifest themselves, you know? Yes. Yes. And then, you know, how this being a grief podcast, I want to ask you because we know each other, because we know, you you know, (laughs) we, we talk outside of podcasts and things. And it's like, I know that there's grief in your life and I want to know how easy it is or how natural it is for you to reach for this practice rather than reaching for something else in order to move the grief that you're holding and how that resonates or, or how it works for you. So I'm a person who I process grief very slowly. Mm -hmm. And like the bigger the grief, the slower the processing. And my maternal grandmother, who was like a mother for me as well, like a second mother for me. um, When she passed, we had a moment before she passed. So there was a gift Um, for me in her passing where she she was you know in hospice it was her last day breathing and I just came to sit with her you know and you know we were told that it was going to be that day and we were just kind of hanging out and she was she had been non-responsive for a long time and so I was just talking to her a little bit and I was like, Hey, you want me to sing you a song? So I sang her a little song. Um, and in, in Sanskrit and she got up, like she lifted up her whole body from her waist. It was like some crazy Pilates, like her legs were like not moving, but from her hips, she hinged up and turned her head and just looked at me (laughs) big, wide open eyes. And I finished the song and I told her, there's nothing to be afraid of and everybody's waiting for you and you don't need to take care of us anymore. And I just talked to her as she slowly lowered herself back down. And it was this opportunity for me to know that She's still with me in this movement out. She was, you know, still having this, I won't call it humanity, right? But there was this life. Mm -hmm. 
And I still don't know exactly why, but I decided not to go to the funeral. Hmm. It didn't feel, it was going to be a whole lot of people, most of whom I'd never met. And I really grappled with it because I didn't know if I needed to be there for my mom. But the decision was so clear to me that it wasn't for me, I wasn't going to be there. And this was a long ass time ago, you guys. This was way before I even thought about yoga, teacher training. Mm-hmm. But um, when I, once I started doing vegetation, I started kind of wondering why Anji, because that's what I called her, um, why Anji was never coming to me. All these other people were coming to me. In, from the in-law side of my family, people were coming to me in vegetation. But Anji wasn't coming, wasn't coming, wasn't coming. And um, on winter solstice last year, she finally came. And it was like the dam broke. <laughs> and that was, vegetation is always with two or more people. Usually it's just me and Hana. But that time we had a third person who's also an amazing soul who we practice with from time to time. And I think it needed all three of us and it needed the solstice. Mm. And, and I just needed to be ready. Right. You know? And I sort of knew for a while too, like, and she's not coming because she knows that I'm not ready for this. I had to do some more work on being able to center myself and be able to recognize when I need to rebalance and the tools that I can use to rebalance. And I just needed to practice with some grandsisters who were not as high stakes for me, (laughs) you know? Yeah. That's so lovely. Oh my gosh. Can you talk a little bit about the practice of vegetation? Yeah. Yeah. So the way we do it, it does not have to be at 530 in the morning, but I will say that sometimes, sometimes the delirium helps (laughs) to take us out of like the the thinking brain. Sure. Um, But, uh, but yeah, we just come together. We check in. We say, how's it going? What's she doing? How was yesterday? How are things this morning? And we just say whatever comes. It could be anything. Sometimes it's like just nothing, you know, like, oh, like this tea is like not very good right now. You know, other times it's like, oh, my God, I am dealing with this personality that I cannot stand and I don't know what to do with them, you know. So we just talk. And then at some point we feel an energy sink. You know, that's how we describe it. It feels like a, like that sort of sound. It's not a sound, but it feels like it. And then we just know, like, and I, I usually say something like, okay, let's sit in. And we take a comfortable seat and we close our eyes. And I usually just start to wait for the channel to open. Some words come. I say them and it leads us inwards. And then we're just inside. Sometimes we're connecting to this, you know, the self. Sometimes we're just in the body. Sometimes we're in the somatic body, like moving through like what's going on here. A lot of times we, we both see a lot of images and that can differ from person to person. And then at some point I feel the call to come back. And 
through the channel. I just kind of lead us back with some words. And once we are sufficiently back, we usually leave a little time for journaling, writing things down, drawing some pictures about it, usually in our little planners or whatever, whatever's around. And then we talk about what came. Mm-hmm. And and this is when you get things like, oh, yeah, my grandmother came to tell you, like, here's what I think about you and this need to do this thing. you know? Yeah. And then that's it. Right. It's just, I love you. Bye. And see you next time. You know, and it's, I, it's so, yeah. Yeah. It's so um, rote now. We do mm-hmm. this twice a week. And, and now because we're doing this, this work together, now we see each other like four or five times a week. So the first time it takes a little bit more guidance and a little bit more, you know, finding out where you are with meditation. How do you feel about it? What do you think of it as already? And what are some ways that we can add to to your your current practice? Mm -hmm. Or if you don't have a practice, like how are the ways that we can make you create your own version of this that's comfortable for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's, I think, one of the touch points for me is this, how can we create something that works for you and Mm -hmm. it's not tailored to somebody else's idea of what yoga should look like. Yeah. I mean, mean, I've done some yoga practice and this doesn't sound like anything I've done yet. (laughs) Right. It's not even close. I mean, like, but but how, how are your legs positioned while you sit in (laughs) bed meditation? (laughs) But this is just it. That's just it. It's what your body wants to do at the time. Yes. Yeah. And guidance is, is do what your body wants to do. Right. This is what brings us back to the sadhana, the Monday sadhanas that we were talking about before, you know, Monday sadhana, I started doing that. So sadhana, like I said, is a, I don't remember if this is before or after we started recording. Sadhana just is a word for a regular spiritual practice. And it's just a way that you connect with whatever is the spiritual for you. It could be just connecting with the self. And I started doing it, doing mine live on Mondays to just give people an opportunity to see what it could look like, Mm. you know, like it can look like anything. The point is that it's your practice and it brings you closer to your version of spirituality or whatever you want to call it. You know, the point is get in contact with the self so that you can get in contact with all this other energy that's just like floating around waiting for you to, to get into it, you know, not, I mean, we're already into it to uncover your connection to it. Right. And our vegetations, when we're silent, there's a lot of movement. I'm, I'm rolling all over the floor. (laughs) I'm doing like like ritualistic movement that I don't know anything about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. In in my thinking brain, Hannah does her own things too. I'll I'll let her speak for herself. I don't want to, you know, (laughs) put anybody on blast for the way that they do vegetation, but like, it could be any, it could be you, you know, you starting in there, you lay on the ground and then you fall asleep. And then later, like somebody like calls you out, you know, like, come on back now. I, remember the very first time that we practiced together I can't even remember how long ago it was it feels like forever but like yeah it I laid there and I cried (laughs) the whole time yeah I didn't even do anything 
there, there was it was nothing to do but for me to sit there and just cry perfect and so and that's what I did and then yes. we had this really beautiful conversation afterwards and and then we went on and on yeah. <laughs> and right right and like, this too is yoga right <laughs> yeah and so I find I like things that are out of the box mm-hmm. normally <laughs> to you know self-help tools or whatever you know and I love mm-hmm. to give people tools to put in their toolbox and so this is really why I invited you here is because this practice has been important to me and like I found myself doing it just mm-hmm. at like just just naturally kind of slipping into it and today in particular is Phoebe's birthday and when I woke up I was crying and I was like what would Jamie do and Jamie would be right here in the bed and be like, just do, do whatever's coming to you. I was telling Mickey this earlier. And so I had my practice this morning with yes. this grief that I carry because it's my daughter's birthday and she's not here, but she's been here all day long with me mm-hmm. and like, you know, kind of holding me through this whole thing. So what a beautiful conversation to have today. <laughs> with yes. you um yes. so that I could tell you that this this practice it just kind of just turns on sometimes oh my god I love that that just you know I added my didgeridoo today I added my drum today I added like you know I've been secretly learning new things yes. <laughs> so um I've been like playing and like adding them to the practice whenever it whenever it calls me and so like <sighs> the next you know, I'm preparing for ritual right now. And so, you know, this practice has been popping up right when yes. it's needed, right oh. when it's needed. I just share that with you. <laughs> oh my gosh. That breaks my heart wide open in the best, best way. I love it. I love, I love <laughs> to hear that you're doing it and that it's making a difference for you. And I really, I don't think I said this, about the practice, but it is built on being in community, right? So at least when starting the practice, it's important to do it with somebody else. But at the same time, we also think of this practice as beyond our concept of time. So when you were doing your practice this morning with me, you were doing it with me, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, I really was doing it with you. Yes. And (laughs) Yeah. And like the reason why I post the videos of the sadhanas too, is so that people can do it with us later so that everyone who attended during that time can be with whoever's doing it. And we're outside of space and time. So we can all be doing it. Anyone who ever encounters it, the video, you know, I love it. Please tell everybody where we find magical videos. (laughs) Yes, because I'm fucking 100% in. Yes, yes. So it's it's on Instagram at Tharavada Yoga, and and that's where they're just posted every Monday. There's like a whole bunch of them. Mm -hmm. I'll be there. Fantastic. I'm gonna start racking them up. I'm gonna go back to the beginning. (laughs) I'm watching Savanas. Yep. If you see, if you happen to see a serious Instagram stalker happening in the next few days, it's me. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Be my stalker. Yeah. Yay. Yes. If you're down, 
I have three questions for you. <laughs> like I'm going to say no. No, I, know, I, know. I will not answer these questions. It's so funny. Like I, I, I go through these things and I try to find weird questions. So yes. bear with Dang me it. here. And this one, if you join the circus, what would your circus act be? Oh, oh man. I mean, do I have to already be good at it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're imagining. So you're an expert. Okay. Well, I would be an acrobat. Yes. 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 I'm like, my fondest wish is to do aerial silks someday. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not even like unattainable, but it's just not happening. You can actually just come visit and we can. I know. I know. Believe me, I've already daydreamed about it. <laughs> it's the beauty of this question is almost any answer we give, we could probably go to D's and she'll just teach us how to do yeah, it. That's, that's true. That's true. Even if I want I, I could be the person that makes popcorn right now. It's my plot <laughs> to get you to come visit. <laughs> Mickey, what's your circus act? So I'm a little torn between trapeze and lion tamer. Oh, okay. Because I've got some vertigo height issues, but I think flying through the air would be unbelievably fun. (laughs) And I have trust issues. So letting someone else catch me while flying through the air would be incredible. But also I fucking love giant cats. Yes. What if I did trapeze with lions? Dang. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that could right. be a thing. I that's guess. a show in itself. <laughs> that's, a whole, that's a whole OnlyFans right there. On planet oh. Here's what the circus looks like. This is what the inside of my mind looks like. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, since this is a cheater question for me, I will have to say something that I don't do. Which is probably, I don't ride the unicycle. What? That is surprising to me. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I I probably coordinated enough to do it, but I just it doesn't for some reason doesn't agree with me. Like I'm I'm really great on stilts. I'm great with you know other things. I do the stationary trapeze, which is fun. But yeah, I probably like have a unicycle act where I could juggle and unicycle at the same time on a on a tightrope. With a lion. With a lion. I, I know. I'm like, all I'm thinking is like, so you're saying you're a lion it. tamer already. Why would I go ahead and set me on fire? I don't know. <laughs> it's just with hand sanitizer. I mean, <laughs> totally safe. What could go wrong? Right. Oh my God. And so next question, who or where would you hunt if you were a ghost? Oh, so many choices. So many choices. <laughs> I would haunt my children. I already know I'm going to. I'd be all up in their shit all the time. And they'd be like, my little love. It's oh, such a good answer. <laughs> that's such a mother answer. <laughs> oh, man. I think I would just go to some like castle in Scotland to see how many other ghosts are actually there. If everybody's just making some shit up. (laughs) Everybody's like, this castle's so haunted. I show up as a ghost and I'm like, liars. There's nobody here. I'm another ghost in this whole fucking place. (laughs) D? Oh my God. Oh, let me see. 
Uh, I would probably haunt my nieces and nephew. See what they're up to. Probably my yeah. kids too. Jamie, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'll be all up in their business. What y'all doing? I know. Mm-hmm. I know. We're, We're never going to stop. Never. Right. And, and all like, the people who have wronged me. Time is an unlimited resource. We're fixing to play now. <laughs> That's right. You've been warned. Right. <laughs> warned. Make your amends. Right. Until then, friend. Cl- clock's a ticking. Wow. You're in trouble. <laughs> and what animal would be the most terrifying if it could speak? Oh. Mm. Hyenas. Ooh. Hyenas. Hmm. Those motherfuckers seem real dark too. They do seem like shifty little fuckers, don't they? Yeah. Shifty. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably the nicest. I know, right? They're just over They're there like, like we get a bad rap. Joe, tell Bob I caught dinner. <laughs> We're all hiding in tents. Like, did you fucking hear that? <laughs> <sighs> I'm gonna say anything in a zoo. Anything in a zoo. Anything in a zoo is not gonna have anything good to say. Uh, mm. They've had time to plot their revenge. Uh, maybe. I mean, it depends on the zoo. It depends on the zoo. Um, I've seen some. Yeah. I mean, because I imagine Steve Irwin's zoo is pretty spectacular. One would hope. Mm. I mean, I would hope. But let's go find out. I would love yes. to. Like mm-hmm. I just. Uh, anyway, I think a pterodactyl would be terrifying. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, yes, yes. dinosaurs could talk. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know that I would have the wherewithal to stand around to to listen to any of the. It'd be the last thing you heard. Right, <laughs> the last thing I heard. What's the last thing you want to hear before you die? <laughs> What a pterodactyl has to say. I would like to know what this pterodactyl <laughs> has had to say about humanity. About this tasty morsel it's about to devour. <laughs> <laughs> to know if I was delicious or not. <laughs> the next person will find out. That's right. That's right. Well... Good game. Yeah. That was fun. That was inspiring. Oh my God. That was so interesting. I still have a thousand more questions, but it's weird. I know, right? It's a limited time episode. We might have to do this again someday. Oh, please, please. This has been such a joy. Awesome. Love it. Thank you. You guys are the best. Oh my gosh. I love you both. I love you both. I love you both too. I love you both too. Yay!